What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Nissan. It's time to start getting excited about the journey and not the destination with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Built to navigate you to some of Earth's most inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Win Season, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin We got a game today. I saw your text. We do have a game. It is our first edition of the 2023-24 season of That's True, That Might Be True, That's Ridiculous. And we will get to the game. We are recording after the Milwaukee-Indiana game that saw Giannis have 54 when it looked like he might not play in tonight's game after his ridiculous ejection in uh, the last game that he played. Uh, that was awful. But he, he played, and look, and I'm old enough to remember that when we started this podcast eight years ago, eight seasons ago, uh, I remember coming on and saying, hey, Kev, you don't see a lot of 50s. <laughs> That's how long mm. we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, at that time, we thought, I think it was Blake Griffin with Detroit had a 50-point game, and we came out at the beginning and he's like, hey, you don't see a lot of 50s. And, and then there was like a barrage of them within like a couple of weeks, and obviously now it is not uh, – it's not that rare to see a 50-point game. But Giannis had 50. But this Pacers team, boy, can they score. They uh, they put up a graphic sure at the end can. of this game saying that they have 20-plus threes, including tonight's game, in four games this season. The Dallas Mavericks have 20-plus threes in two games this season. Nobody else in the league 
has done it more than once. And so they are certainly one of those high variance teams where if you catch them on the wrong night, they may drop 25 threes on you and you are in a world of crap. And certainly Milwaukee ran into it tonight. Um, and look, any team that's, I, I, who knows how many they're going to end up with by the end of the season. It was nice also uh, Ben Matherin, who has struggled to start mm-hmm. this season. And I know you chronicled in your second year players column. Uh, it was nice to see him you know, get going tonight and look like and the Ben Matherin. steal as yeah. well on Giannis in the final minute of the game. And we got excited about him at the beginning of mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Uh, and then he just went into witness awesome protection. Start last year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he went into witness protection yeah. the last half of the season. Um, but it's good to see them getting him back going. And they got a lot of guys that can shoot it and they shoot a lot of them. And on those nights where they make a lot, they can really, they, they can really score. Um, they we sure are recording. Can. Yeah, uh, did, did you see that there's a like their numbers entering tonight's game, Indiana? Like their top five most frequent three point shooters, Buddy Heald, 40.6% from three on eight attempts per game. Tyrese Halliburton, 37.3% on 7.3 attempts. Aaron Neesmith, 48.6% on 4.6 attempts. Bruce Brown, 42.9% on 4.4 attempts. Miles Turner, 38.7% on 3.9 attempts per game. Like that is crazy volume and efficiency from all of those guys. Like you said, like the variance, the highs and the lows are absurd, but they've, they've mostly had, uh, had highs and the bucks, you know, going under a lot of screens tonight, their, their defense, despite making some of the changes, like we talked about on last week's podcast, still not so good. It's still pretty shaky. It feels like they're definitely nowhere close. And from a game plan standpoint, from a prep standpoint, um, and never mind just from the, the results standpoint from what they've been in recent years. Well, and no coach can ever be happy. Like, it's, it's very hard to go into the locker room and say, guys, we should have scored 127. Like, you're yeah, not just going to – giving up 126, you're not winning a lot of games. You're not Absolutely. winning a, no, a lot of games giving no up 126. I mean, and like they obviously they didn't have Dean tonight, but right. um, at the same time, and like and, last, and in fairness, they were right there. I mean, they they, they were, were, right, they were there. right there. I, I do. Th- I mean, Giannis had an unbelievable game. He looked more like Giannis. The last minute, though, did show why he Giannis himself said how Dame's the closer. Mm-hmm. Giannis had the the horrible pass to Brook Lopez that sailed out of bounds. The turnover he got stripped by Matherin. That's why Dame is so important for that team as a closer, as the guy who's actually initiating those possessions in the final two, three minutes of the game. Atlanta and Orlando are about to tip off. So obviously we won't be talking about that game. Uh, This comes after Atlanta put out their porno video on Twitter today. That was strange. Which saw, uh, now... Where are you at on this? It got is is any good any publicity good publicity? It got over twenty million views. I saw, but it was also shouted down by their two biggest stars, uh, Trey Young and Dejounte Murray. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It, and and it's like a story everywhere. They went to Mexico City, and the social media manager went wild. You know, those are like the headlines everywhere for Atlanta. <laughs> did you laugh at it, or did you think, what the hell? Well, I mean, when I fir- at first I watched it, and I was like, "Is this actually produced by Hawk Social?" 
or it was, it was yes. just like a something that like a prank video, like a fake, you know, like the Timberwolves Brazil accounts, which is not run by the Timberwolves. It's just a account on on, right. on X. But like I think with the Hawks one at first, I was like, this is real. It is real. Wait, they produced this. They actually put this together. It didn't. It didn't make me laugh. It was just. And then you know, quoted Chris Broussard. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It was a it was a ridiculous it was a ridiculous video. I don't know what to make of it. It's <laughs> semi creepy, and obviously, like here's here's what I know: you never want your players saying "get this crap down." Like that, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not, not sure all publicity is, is good publicity necessarily. In in this case, it, it's a, it's one viral video that's going to be forgotten in a week. And it's just I'm not sure. worth it. You don't think I'm so? I'm not sure. No, I think I'll always remember the Harry the Hawk OnlyFans video. <laughs> isn't that his name? Isn't it Harry? I have no idea. I think it's Harry. Forgive me if I'm, if I'm wrong. It, it was, I, I, I can't imagine a, a day after Adam Silver goes on J.J. Reddick's podcast. And he's talking about <laughs> how he wants like the NBA media to focus on yeah. analyzing the game. And then Hawks put out <laughs> an OnlyFans parody. Yeah. I'm sure Adam Silver really loved that. Oh, I bet he did. Yeah, he goes on. He goes on J.J.'s. He's like, I want the, I want the coverage to be more like the NFL, more granular. I how much of that people. is how how much is that is on silver? You do you think like like the, the NFL really stomps their foot down and controls a lot of the broadcast decisions, broadcast pairings, halftime show, pregame show uh, configurations. Like how much do you think Adam Silver, uh, as, as somebody who's been criticized over the years for being more player friendly, not having an iron fist like David Stern? How much do you think he's to blame for not stomping his foot down and forcing ESPN and TNT to to do things the way he view, thinks they should do it? I think probably a lot. I think you have seen him probably become more engaged in that, you know, with the with the changing of the biggest broadcast grouping. I think, I mean, that was a shock to all of us to no longer have uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. In the booth, um, I do I believe he, he had something to do with those changes. I'm, I mean, well, look, I don't think something it, it, that does not happen mm-hmm. if the commissioner of the league does not want that to happen. Absolutely, is what yep. I would say. I don't, and, think, I don't think it's a coincidence. He goes on JJ Reddick's podcast, who's elevated very quickly with his insightful, you know, commentary on X's and O's and all that. Either. I mean, like, they're definitely, there's like values what JJ does in the sports media landscape with his style. And rightfully so. JJ does a great job analyzing the game. Yeah. And I also think that the show that we love the most and the one that is the most engaged with and the most inside the NBA. Yeah. Is not that. Like, we love the fun of that. We don't mind that Charles Barkley has never seen this team before that night and has mm-hmm. no and is going to mess up a name and is going to like you know let's just say the Grizzlies are on TNT he's going to call him Tyler Jenkins instead <laughs> you know and he, 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 might, yeah. he, he might he might call the he, he might just say Bane Bane cuz he can't remember his last name <laughs> or you know i mean that's just the way it is and then they play you know and they mock it with the who he played for game and yeah. you know it's authentic the, though that that's why people like anything is authenticity 
for those sure. guys it's true to themselves. And plus, you still have Kenny running up to the board, analyzing a play. They have like sprinkles of what Silver's talking about with that X's and O's style stuff. But it's largely just, it's a comedy show and it's funny and it's authentic and they say whatever the hell's on their mind, no matter how much it pisses people off on social media. That's what yeah, I respect and, about them. And they, and they didn't like, and on the ESPN front, it's not like they like super engaged in the whole granular basketball talk because I love Stephen A, but they added Stephen A to NBA countdown for the opinions. And for the, you know, that's not, he's not sitting there going, they need to do this, and this is why this team is winning, and this is why this team is losing, and and all of that. Like, it's it's almost like a debate show, you know, yeah. or some kind of like, hey, here's a thing, here's something that uh, somebody's going to say that might get a rise out of people in the two minutes that they have for a halftime show. And so, I mean, I think, you know, part of it is, the way those things are set up now, look, not all of the NFL stuff is not granular either, right? Like, so I always liked that stuff a lot. Do you remember when I was a kid, there was always that, like, Ron Jaworski show that was like the X's and O's show that they did. But that thing was, like, buried on, like, early, like, Sunday morning or something, right? Like, that kind of stuff. And you might see some guys doing like a film breakdown or that kind of stuff. But generally that's not what those shows are either. Right? Like, so you say that about the NFL, but like, do you feel like you're watching NFL coverage all the time and it's breakdowns of what is happening in the games and not. why these, it's everything. Like, no, I, it's so that's everything. why I was like, what? And Terry Bradshaw is doing highlights at halftime for what reason no one knows. Like they go, they got Sunday night football. They go to Maria Taylor and boring ass Jason Garrett, like <laughs> talking about who cares. Like, well, I, I mean, well, that's the thing. It, it's, it's the type of thing where it's also the nature of the game. With the NFL, there's literally, you know, tens of seconds of breaks between plays that allows you to to go to to Olsen or Romo and do a full screen and look at the last play. You can't do that with basketball. The game moves too fast. I mean, maybe you could with all the, the long reviews. Maybe that's a time you should have a, a, <laughs> a package prepared where you look at a play instead of looking at the referee flexing in front of the camera. Um, but I think the NBA, it's also the nature of the game aspect, but I, I agree with you. Like the NFL has everything. It's just, I'm sure with silver, maybe he'd like to see a little bit of more of the stuff that you see more on a local level. Um, you know, with some of the analysts that are out there, like I used to do for Celtics blog or like someone like Joe Veredes now for the Warriors, like just like some of these granular breakdowns, maybe what, may, maybe what silver should push for is to hire some of those types of people into like high level production content creation positions like somebody like that could help you prepare uh like a zach low three-minute voiceover uh, whoever it might be from espn that runs you know between the first and second quarter preparing for something that is likely to happen early in the game a style of defense whatever it is stuff like that i, I think that's where like maybe those i could thought be, that you know, was a little overstated for sure in terms of like comparing it to the nfl and in the terms of like well, we want everybody to care about all the teams in 
you know, the same way they do in the NFL and that that's like, well, a, and, a and yet who's and on national like, TV all the time. And the team, like you don't have all these young teams on national TV either. That's like their actions kind of speak loudly there. Right. Well, the other thing, and this is, look, I'm not saying anything new. Everybody knows this. The NFL in large part, take away fantasy football teams and take away gambling and see if people still care the same way about every team. Different. And those things Absolutely. are not engaged in the NBA in the same way. I don't even play fantasy basketball. Right. I, I I don't I don't like playing fantasy basketball. Like I like playing fantasy football. There's a there's a rhythm to the week. You have your waivers on it, Wednesday. It also, it also it's, keeps it's such me. A, I, I mean, I, I look. I have a 13 year old son. Me and him have Red Zone. We sit down and watch every week, and we love Red Zone. And then we've got the boxes on the other TV, and Absolutely. we are. Because I am engaged in his team, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, AJ Brown caught one in there, or hey, Lamar just ran another 100%. one in. Don't you? Or did you start like tonight? There's a reason my 13 year old asked me. He, I, I swear to God, right before we were recording, he came up and asked me. He said, "Do you think I should start Cole Komet tonight, or wait till the weekend and start Evan Ingram?" Ingram's playing against the 49ers. Like, that is not a question that gets asked about the NBA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, like, and, that, and that's because fantasy basketball just isn't as engaging or as easily consumable for people as fantasy football. And, and that is loves, such a driver of it. He loves the NBA. Mm-hmm. He, he loves, loves the, NBA the NBA probably just as much as the NFL. It's just the, the fantasy aspect isn't the same. Correct. And I agree with you. Like that, that is such a massive draw that I, I think is often under 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 accounted for when it comes to the dramatic difference in in interest between the NFL and NBA for watching live games. For oh, watching for live sure. games. Why, why, why does Huge. my son care about Bijan Robinson? The oh, only Arthur, reason Arthur Smith keeping him out and right. saying he's good off ball. Arthur Smith, go to hell. Right. It's but the only reason. Uh, or Cole, do you think my kid care? He Cole Quebec could walk in our house right now and he would know who that is. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so figure that part out, and then you figured out why it's not the mm-hmm. same, uh, why we're not on even ground here. Mm-hmm. I, I do understand that, like, as a commissioner, wanting people to be more focused on the games than the drama of things. But I do think that there is a reason they're, they're, they're extenuating circumstances as to why there are much less games and those two factors play a massive role in those. The scheduling aspect is another big part of it. Literally sure. every single game matters. If you lose a game in week two, it could ruin your chances at a bye. It could ruin your chances at winning your division, whatever, whatever it might be. Uh, every single game in the NFL matters. And where there's the NBA, I mean, look, the games matter, but they matter a heck of a lot less when there's 82 of them over the course of the season. So if the NBA uh, ever wants to take a leap and trim the schedule for a year, I'll tell you what, one of my favorite years ever watching basketball was the lockout year with the 66-game schedule. Granted, that year, it was so condensed. There was games every night. There was back-to-back-to-back-to-backs and all that. If, if it were like, and I, think, I think there was also the aspect of there were just not as many games that year and everyone did matter more that year. I felt that for the rooting for the Celtics that year, it was like every game really, really mattered. It felt like a lot more than a full 82 game season. So the NBA, I think the NBA needs to, even if they just try that out for one or two years and if it ends up they hemorrhage money and it screws them, it's, it's only one year. You don't have to commit to it for 
10 years, you could do it for a year and see how it goes. Like, I just, I, I don't see why you can't experiment like that. You can also tell that they're, you know, as time goes on, and this was all new a couple of years ago, they are really diving in on the gambling thing. Because even the oh, other yeah. night, even the other night I was watching that NBA Crunch Time, like their wraparound show. But Jerry Greenberg do. hosting yeah. it. Yeah. Jerry Greenberg was like, he's like, ooh, if you have the Sixers minus four and a half, you know, on Caesar Sportsbook, whatever. And I was like, wait, what? Like, and this like, is on, and this is NBA TV. NBA TV was referencing uh-huh. all the games in conjunction with the lines, with the number, with the over-under number, where they are within the context of this, on this. And I was like, well, you don't even get that in the NFL. Like, you well, still and, get and that's the weird, why. like, you know, Al Michaels, like, that mattered to some people, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but right? that's why the NBA, they know they know they probably can't get a share of the fantasy basketball market in the same way that fantasy football uh, has just wide right. uh, interest to masses of people who barely watch the NFL. Yeah. But with gambling, I hear my friends sometimes in states where it's legal to gamble, they're like, oh, I took this team. I yep. did this. I did like a small parlay. Oh, I won 50 bucks off of this. I have hearing them say that increasingly. So the, clearly there's interest when it comes to basketball there. Um, but as we know, like FanDuel is a, I literally just read a, fa- a ad for FanDuel before we started this podcast. Because right. yeah. there's interest from our listeners and joining the FanDuel Sportsbook using code mismatch. <laughs> One of my, you know, well, it's, hey, it's the truth. That's right. One of my buddies, uh, one of my buddies just went to, uh, and obviously our buddy house is there on regular occasion. But one of my buddies just went to DC. He told me, that, you know, they have a sports book now in the arena. Oh, wow. Huge. And he said, it's unbelievable. I would not be surprised if within a couple of years we got kiosks to make bets. Oh, that wouldn't shock me at all. Like, no, no, you know no, what I mean? Player prop yeah. bets, all kinds of bets, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Totally. I'm with you. Cash in on this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Since we have the in-season tournament coming on Friday night, you're able to bet on all the games. Right now, I'm really liking the Nets with the points against the Celtics, the Sixers to cover over the Pistons. In the Jazz with the points against the Grizzlies. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com mismatch and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Before we get into the game, and I got some good ones today to throw at you. Uh, and and to be clear, I don't know any of them. I don't know any of the topics, no, any no, of I the teams, nothing. All you nope. said was we're playing our games tonight. Playing the game tonight. Before Mm -hmm. we get to that, I'm going to leave this out of the game because I don't think it necessarily applies because it's really just a statement of fact. So I have thought a lot about this since we talked about the in-season tournament. They, of course, put out that thing, uh, the, the, the clip of it and whatever. And I was trying to think about what would make me care more. 
right? And, and like simple thing, not like anything complex. Uh, you know, we've talked about a draft pick. We've talked about, you know, how it could affect the playoffs. We've talked about like, you know, different things. And I don't know why I didn't just think of this right uh, immediately. And I think I have something that I'm going to bring to you that you will, as a lover of the in-season tournament anyway, you will completely endorse. Okay. Well, Adam Silver like it. If he's I listening, so. Adam, will you? Are you thinking Adam will like it? Okay. I think so. Okay. And again, I still want stakes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I still want stakes. I still want a reason for fans to care. But in the interim, we'll figure out the stakes down the road. That's a job for now, Andre Iguodala. But in the meantime, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we've got in-season tournament games again tomorrow night. We're going to see all the crazy courts. We're going to see the jerseys. We're going to see all that stuff. It's going to be the second go-round of in-season tournament games tomorrow night. I'm very excited. I'm not I know you out. are. No, no dates, no dinners. I'm staying home all night watching the in-season tournament. The re and, and I'm actually I'll be going to one because I'll be going to uh, Memphis, Utah tomorrow night. A battle of one and seven and two and seven teams. This is a showdown for the ages. Um. Anyways, you're gonna endorse this too. Okay. In season tournament games should all be target score Elam ending games. Make it 115, make it 120, make it whatever. But if you want me to care more than I normally would, that's the way to do it. I do think that would be so so much more interesting to me that if I knew these in-season tournament games, even if you wanted to make we can make it 110, I don't care. I don't care what you How about just right? 100? Fine. First to 100. First to 100. I'm fine with that. Now, the reason I was going to make it a little higher is because, you know, if you just took like, you know, you could do the research and figure out the average score. That way you're not screwing around with stats, right? Like if mm-hmm. that's a thing, you don't want right, to, like if you're only playing to 100, then there's a finite amount of stats. But if you're playing to what is the average score of these games, whatever the average score of these games is. So we'll find a spot right around there. What is it, 120, whatever? And you're playing to that target score. And if that takes you three quarters, that takes you three quarters. Did that take you four? And I know there, you know, look, there's always going to be details that you got to work out. But in the interim, if you wanted to make me more interested in something, if I knew there was a target score for said game, you would grab my interest. Uh, in a much greater way and for much longer for the teams that I don't particularly care about the outcome. You got two teams that I don't really care about the game all that much, doesn't interest me all that much. If I look at it and you tell me it's, you know, 108 to 104, and I know they got to get to 120, now I'm in. Now there's like there's like real drama. At the end of at the end of all of that, um, why not make every game have a target score? Just out of curiosity, are you would you be you be in favor of that for all games? Uh, like, do you like the target score that much that you think? I all just games think I, I'm trying score? to I'm trying to make this different. 
I'm trying to differentiate this. Why is this in-season tournament different? Then, you know, because you're, you're telling me it's different. you got the different court. You've got the different jerseys. You know what I and, would like? I th- and you got I think all the, the fans and you got all the fans going, oh, uh, what is this? What does this mean? What, what? So what happens if you win this oh, game mean, or if you lose? You know what I mean? Like I, your, I your casual wanna, fan doesn't care about that. Yeah, but yeah, sure. But like you, you, you get a casual, you turn a car, casual fan into a hardcore fan by improving the product of the game by eliminating five minute reviews with 30 seconds left in the game. That, if that's you like, told that, that's me how you, to, that's how right, you improve. I, I, you know what? This is actually perfect. I'm going to Memphis, Utah tomorrow night. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would be so much more excited if that if I knew there was a target score at the end. I really would. Like that would be different. That would be fun. That would not be the usual thing that I go to, and yeah. I would be more interested immediately. So I, I think I think there's some logic to it. Um, personally, I would love to see. I would love to see regular season games. I know like that could remove it could remove the potential of a three overtime thriller like we had with the Kings and Clippers last year, but a target score during overtime would be very interesting as oh, well. Oh, they do it in the G area. League and I love yes, it. I agree. I, I think target score during the overtime in the regular season would be really, really cool. Um and, and then for for the I'm I'm I'd be cool with it for the in season tournament. It's not going to make me care more necessarily. It would be, it would make me, I don't want to use the word care. It wouldn't make me care more because I think the tournament alone over the course of time will gain that, that tradition over the years to come simply by winning it. However, let's remove my personal opinion there. I would be more intrigued by the games if it were different and included the target score during regulation because that would then also serve as an experimentation for the NBA to see what these high stakes games look like when there's a target score. And, and I think that that in and of itself could be something worth looking into in future years. And I also think that it has a, it has a psychological effect on the players. It does. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. it. There's because, a target yeah. score. Oh, yeah. It has a psychological effect on the players, mm-hmm. right? With that in mind. And knowing that's the number we need to get to, that's the number we need to keep our opponent from getting to. And so, you know, if you're if you're looking at you, 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 you've made it look different. You've made it look different. There'll be a different court. There'll be a different jersey. You're telling me it's different. But tomorrow night, I'm just going to watch the Grizzlies and the Jazz. You know. And also, those are two teams. Also, you you guys aren't. You guys like in all likelihood aren't playing to go to Vegas. No, both teams stink. Yeah, exactly. So I think both teams don't feel like they have a chance to get to Vegas. Both fan bases, it's like, okay, this is just a little slightly different type of game. It's yeah. just yeah, it's like, cool we, like we're not going to Vegas. In all likelihood, you're not going to Vegas. Thanks for rubbing it in, bro. I know. Well, I I hope you I hope you can come to Vegas to the live show on Wednesday, December sixth. Live Bill Simmons podcast. I believe there's still some tickets available on Ticketmaster. I'm not coming. There's no way I'm coming. I'm letting you get eaten alive by the real ones. (laughs) It's you and the real ones, right? Uh, I believe it's. I think it's just me, Raja, and Logan. I'm not sure Howard Beck, um, who's the new third member of Real Ones is going to be part of that show. I'm, I'm oh, not so you're taking exactly. Howard Beck's spot? I don't know. I'm not. Oh, yeah. So I, I see they still have 
general admission preferred seating available on Ticketmaster. I'm not sure how many tickets are available, um, but if you are going to be in Vegas or want to be in Vegas, Wednesday, December 6th, Bill Simmons podcast, yep. Bill, Ryan, special guests, me, uh, Logan Murdoch, Rajah Bell. I'm not sure who else off the top of my head, but um, it'll be a if good If I can fly out there, I will fly out there. I will. Yeah, okay. I, that's the one part I don't like either about the way the NBA did this because you know I am at the mercy of whether there's a home game or not. And, you know, on the off sure. nights, I'd rather they have just blocked it off and made it the thing. All the other teams are going to be playing in non-in-season tournament games on the two alternating nights. I agree. And the then Indian, I agree. They should have blocked it off and just made it. This is like the focus. The schedule shouldn't be 82 games. That That's the bottom line here. I'm fine with that. Shouldn't too. be 82. All right. Uh, all right. It's too many, it is too time many for games. the game. We have made people wait long enough. It is time for the most important game in podcast history. That's true. That might be true. That's ridiculous. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's start off flaming. The Lakers offseason was overrated. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> you couldn't do it. it you it might couldn't be true. bring yourself to do it. You got to well, walk around. It's, it's too LA. early to say. It's too early to say that's true. We're Is eight it? games into the season. We're LeBron's eight. playing thirty nine minutes because they can't. Uh, they can't like survive one minute without him on the court <laughs> without getting blasted. I mean, listen, listen, Chris. Austin Reeves is off to a horrific start of the season. It looks like he lost his superpowers. Oh, okay. That was Here, 20-second timeout on him. I've talked about this a million times, and I know, look, that once you hit that dry erase board, you get to do it one time through. And once the word's out, now you are scouted in a different way. Now your name is written down. And 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 Austin Reeves still has all of those talents. There is a figuring out process. And a lot of times we have seen guys go through this in what is technically their second year after they've made a name for themselves. Because now everybody knows, okay, there's like a full scouting report on you. And 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 that's when the and, and the real ones are gonna figure it out going forward, but we saw Edwards have some struggles. We see Barnes have some struggles. We've seen, you know, Mobley have some struggles. And, you know, sometimes it even happens to guys that are not drafted at the very top of the draft. It can happen to the Austin Reeves of the world where it's like, hey, man, there's like a real scouting report on you now, and you're not like just one of the other guys. Like, you're somebody that they, they've got a full book on. And so he'll figure it out. He's going to be fine. That's a talented sure. guy, well, well, but well, he's that, going to—he's getting an attention that he simply did not get, that, that you're going to put a better defender on him than you used to. You're going to have four eyeballs instead of two eyeballs, you know? But this is why it might be true, because right. like, if he doesn't fix it at the dollar value they got him for, suddenly it doesn't feel like a bargain. Gabe Vincent also has missed four games. He apparently wasn't healthy in the four games that he did play. Taurine Prince missed a couple of games as well. Christian Wood has been very good when playing with AD and LeBron, but not so good when he's been out there without those guys. Cam Reddish, I mean, the experiment's not working out. Uh, I mean, so some of these guys, D'Angelo Russell, 
getting him with the dollar value you did around 20 million to me it's like okay well we'll give this a shot and if it doesn't work out then you can flip that salary for somebody else so i think the, like the delo asset some of these guys could turn into tr- very tradable contracts on short term deals so I, i'm not i wouldn't say it was overrated it might be true and that might turn out to be true but it's also still so early and guys have been injured that i'm not ready to to say that is true and they haven't been able to build up the chemistry yet like they have had injuries but yeah ruby had some time too on the surface they start the season you know the two things that we heard going into the season was we want lebron to play less than 30 minutes he's playing 39 minutes a game that's crazy well, That's yeah, crazy. He, he, technically, he's at thirty four point eight, but he's at, he was at like thirty seven or something after right. the first game when when Darvin Ham was like, "Oh, he's only going to play twenty eight to thirty minutes." After that, it's like, nope, <laughs> nope. Just kidding. The second thing that we heard is we want Anthony Davis to take eight threes a game. He's taking yeah. like one, dude. <laughs> yeah, he literally one per game. Wasn't it eight? Did they say eight? No, I think they said four. No, I think the it thing, was eight threes a game. I don't he know, said, whatever they said. I want to attempt eight threes a game. <laughs> whatever they said, it's not one per game, and he hasn't taken one for three <laughs> straight games either. <laughs> whatever they said, it wasn't one. <laughs> he really should take more. The, the shot looks pretty good right now. It's just he's not taking enough shots. I hope they'd be able to win, like, a five-minute stretch every once in a while. It's like, dude, they, they can't have LeBron not on the court. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. LeBron's still great, man. Of course he's still he great. is. He's still great. It's just, you're asking a lot of a guy with that many miles. I know. Right? And I thought they had mm-hmm. built a, I liked their offseason. I did. I liked it. It don't look real good through yeah. the first seven, eight games. Still, still, still need time. I mean, we'll see if these guys can get back and actually stay healthy. All right. The Clippers Harden thing ain't going to work. That might be true. And here's why I'm not going to go all the way to say that's true. What are the things that you and I talked about at the time of the trade? A, we talked about Harden needing to adapt to playing next to other stars. I said how he's a thirty, a 39.8% shooter on catch-and-shoot threes in his career. But well, what have we seen this week? Catches the ball wide open behind the arc, doesn't take open threes. He stops the ball, takes side dribbles into contested shots. like Throws it to Ian Eagle. Oh, my God. Like, some really terrible decisions by Harden. Well, he was asked after that game the other night against the Nets about that, and he kind of, like, like shook his head and was like, I know, I know, I know. Like, I had some looks tonight, and I didn't take him. I had the one in the corner. I had the other one. And and he's like, it's it's weird for me because for eight or nine years, I've done everything for the offense. It's weird for me to receive the ball open like that. It's weird. He said it's weird like four times during the answer. And that's what I said to you. He needs to break those habits and get into the habits that he had when he was younger in OKC where he did launch three attempts or four attempts per game off the catch. That's what he needs to get back into doing. Will he be able to do that? I don't know. And is that even the biggest thing, the biggest problem here? Not necessarily. Their defense looks weaker. Zubats does not look like he's going to be the center of a championship team right now. He's also dealing with a back injury. And they lost Plumley. Plumley behind him, very hurt right now. PJ Tucker is not the same small ball five that he was once before, even though he can still do it. 
they have a lot of concerns on their team. It all starts with Harden after the investment that they made in him. Harden needs to adapt. And if Harden does adapt, well, then Russ has to slide into a new role. There's a, there's a lot of question marks with the Clippers that I have. And, I mean, I had them before the trade. I think they raised their ceiling, also lowered their floor. They're more of a high-variance team at this point. But it, largely, more than anything else, it's going to come down to James Harden's ability to completely adapt his game and embrace um, being a hybrid version of his old self and the guy that, we, that we've that we seen the last 10 years, the scorer, the, the guy who dominates the ball. He can do both. I, I believe Harden can do both, but will he? That I don't know. I don't know the, the answer to that. Well, and he was obviously like super distraught over their game. You saw that video going around of him partying after the Nets loss. <laughs> obviously, he was really rattled by it. Uh, I mean, there's, there's 82 of them, so... <laughs> <laughs> on to the next. It's one, good to I know guess, he's right? taking care of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah. the Clippers brass was thrilled. Mm-hmm. Like, how's our video going around? I, uh, all right, let's be positive. We're the first ones were negative. Scotty Barnes is worth building around as a best player on a team. That might be true. I'm. I, I think best player on a championship team is. If, if you were to ask me, is what he's doing is what we're seeing from him right now for real, my answer would have been said, would have been, yes, that's true. That's true because this kind of follows the trajectory you were just talking about earlier. Sometimes guys go through a second year sophomore slump, like I wrote about earlier this week with certain players. And then third year, they end up taking a leap. That's what I believe is happening with Scotty Barnes. He looks quick off the dribble. The three-pointer looks smooth. He looks like he's right back on track to what we saw when he won Rookie of the Year. The best player on a championship team I mean, that's like seven or eight guys. That's right. How, how how many how many players actually deserve that title? You can be the best player on a championship team. Like there's like eight, right? Like how many are there really? Really? Like I, how many? I, how many? I, I just I just think that's probably like really a high bar. Yeah, I don't know. It it might have changed too. There's so much more parity now. You're watching these games, game in, game out. And, and you also have to remember that we just saw Miami was five minutes away from not being a playoff team and they were in the NBA Finals. Yeah, that's true. So That's true. You know, yep. I, I and I don't think if you were making that list that there's a ton of people that would be lining up to say Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler's, you know, a shot away from being in three of the last four finals. Well, and and also Jimmy Butler is a different type of case because the way he elevates his play in the postseason. Regular season Jimmy Butler is not the best player on a championship team, but playoff Jimmy Butler? Playoff Jimmy Butler is, for sure. The way he changes his style. It's like like playoff Jamal Murray is like the best two-guard in the history of the world. There's really not many, though. It's, It's like Jokic, Steph, Giannis, Luca and Bede, that's five. I mean, and and the history of the NBA tells you you generally have to have one of the best five to ten players in the league. And so, do we look at it and say Scotty Barnes? We could look up at Scotty Barnes, one of the best five to ten players in the NBA. Could he be at twenty seven? It's not insane. Maybe it's not insane. He could he could definitely be a top ten player in the league. Sure, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I I think that might be true. That might, which is which is incredibly high praise that you can say that about any player that it might be true. Here's a, here's a, here's a good one. Lamelo still has superstar potential. 
That's true. Yeah, he does. Ooh, I thought you were out. I felt like you were out last time we talked about LaMelo. No, I just have my concerns. Uh, The fact that it feels like he stagnated last season. Granted, he was dealing with injury. Um, He only played 30-something games. And this year, he's been off to an absolutely horrible start until his last two games when he had 30 and and 13 against the Mavericks and 34 points against the very lowly uh, sad Wizards. And the Hornets also lost that game, too. (laughs) <laughs> they gave up 132. <laughs> so, I mean, with Charlotte, it's not all hot there necessarily, despite LaMelo having two good games and two losses. Um, but I, I still think LaMelo's creativity off the dribble, the scoring upside, uh, the, the size at his position, there's still that level of upside. I just, I don't, I don't like Steve Clifford. And I, and I don't like what he did on Orlando. I don't love what's like happening you. He in doesn't Charlotte. like you. He, doesn't he probably like doesn't. No. He probably doesn't. He thinks you're a dirtbag. He probably does. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, that's the guy that bitched about me not playing Mo Bamba. <laughs> How's that working out? That's maybe things Clifford would. Says. Maybe things would Steve, be different. That's Steve Clifford said. Steve Clifford said, "Is that the asshole that said I, I should be playing Mo Bamba?" Okay. Oh, maybe that's why he doesn't like be, me. Maybe things would be different for Mo Bamba if, if Steve Clifford did oh. play him in oh. Orlando in the early days instead of freaking Dorman Ham too. Instead of freaking Kim Birch. Kim Birch, come on now. Who can't even play right now in the league? Jeez. Where is where is Mo? He's uh, Mo Bamba is with the Sixers. Oh, he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Don't so is it his fault? Oh, is it? Uh, I guess it's. I guess it's <laughs> Nick Nurse's fault too. No, it's not Nick Nurse's fault. Oh, it's Nur- not. Okay. <laughs> no, no. And it was Darvin Ham's. Too? Uh, yeah, I, st- I, th- I still think I still think uh, uh, Lamelo has star potential, superstar potential, star potential. I don't know whatever you ask, but I believe he still has star potential. Too many flashes, and he's still okay. young. It's a it's a weird situation there. Joe Missoula ain't built for it. That might be true. What a weird! Did you see? Uh, that's why today? the question is available okay, with Gary. So Gary Washburn, longtime Boston Globe columnist, uh, he uh, apparently seven years ago, according to Joe Missoula. Gary Washburn asked him, is the team shooting too many threes? Because Missoula likes to aim for like 40 plus 50 threes per game. And Gary asked that question and Missoula comes out and he goes, Gary, I saw your article seven years ago in 2016. You were writing about how are the Celtics taking too many threes? How's that going? And I was like, whoa, dude, like really aggressive here for no reason at all. Like citing an article from seven years ago. That's really weird. You prepped this in the mirror, right? I'm thinking to myself watching that. Like you were like rehearsed this. It was just strange for an NBA head coach to go at a media member in that way. A guy in uh, that, uh, in that uh, way. Whatever you think about Gary, Gary's been covered in that team for a long, long time. For decades. Obviously. Yeah. For decades. For sure. And it's like, yep. where did you even find this? Like somebody had to bring that to his attention, or well, you, that, that or you're maniacally googling. Like I, I, I don't know. just strange. Well, but he, I think I think it shows that he's very thin skinned because he did this multiple times last year too, where he like left his presser. He's like worst coach ever, and it's like okay, what dude? <laughs> what are you twelve? <laughs> yeah, what I, the hell are you doing? That Gary Washburn thing tripped me out. It was I'm just like strange. a column from seven years ago. 
weird. Really weird. I was like, maybe they did. I don't know what the Kyle was about, but maybe the, maybe they did shoot too many threes. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Do you have some kind of what? What, what were the sixteen Celtics? Were they like? Uh, were they awesome? I don't, I don't that, that might have that might have been the Isaiah. That might have been the Isaiah Thomas. The I first, don't even I, remember. I, I, I don't know what month of the of the year of twenty sixteen it was, but it was definitely the year Isaiah Thomas was going wild. Either his first All Star appearance or the year he was top five MVP. One well, Gary Wa- Gary Washburn's over fifty years old, and I promise you this: go to an NBA game, Joe Missoula. There ain't one person in the crowd under the age of 50 that is not saying, just go to the basket more. Everybody that watched basketball their whole life sits there and, like, I even... Go to the basket. Even as, well, look, and I and I watch a team that's taking 40-something threes a night and, like, driving with the intention of kicking out. Instead of driving with the intention of oh, scoring. Totally. Yeah, and it happens all the time. And you're like, just friggin' lay it in or get to the free throw line. Like, what are, what are you doing? And it's well, and like, the, and that's, sometimes, that's what I grew up with with Tommy Heinsohn. All my ears were on the Celtics watching up. He's like, run, run. Yeah, right. I hear him moaning about Antoine Walker taking 40 foot threes. Oh, it's just like you hear him groaning into the mic. Get I grew up with points that. in the paint. Like yes. I had seen, I, I, I see it all the time in NBA games. Guys will come off a screen, turn the corner, go to the basket, kick they out. Could, they could just make a layup and they kick out. And it's like swing, swing, now another three. Like they pass up twos for threes all the time. And it's like, I think that if you've been covering the league for a long time, you sit there and go, all right, bro, this is like extreme. Somewhere along the way, the math got a hold of this in an extreme way to where it's like, hey, sometimes going to the free throw line, sometimes getting in the groove, sometimes just winning points in the paint and making some shots and getting the other guy in foul trouble, right? Like, are, are we just plaguing to whip this thing around until somebody can take another three? And a lot of teams that you watch don't need to be taking 40-something threes. Now, that is sure. not well, applicable and, 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 for the Celtics. But again, what the hell are you doing bringing up a co- column from seven years ago? Well, and, and that's, the, that's the interesting thing about it. It's like you could argue that Gary's question was completely off-base. There was more reasons why the Celtics lost that game. Bill Simmons, our boss, responded to that on Twitter. He said, better post-game questions than too many threes. Your bench blew the last two games. What needs to change? Two, Jalen has eight, 19 assists and seven turnovers this season. Thoughts? Why don't you run more offense through Derek White? You realize you, realize you have seven timeouts a game, right? <laughs> it's like with Missoula, there's still some of those concerns that were lingering from the postseason last year that are still there today. And Jalen Brown looking like a worse version of himself right now is probably problem number one, which is out of Missoula's control. Let me tell you um, this. The Boston hey, has some other issues to kind of work through at the moment. Let me give you the list of people that love Derek White the most. Number one, Bill Simmons. Bill Number Simmons. two, Derek White's family. Number three, <laughs> Derek White's wife. <laughs> Number four. The, wi- the wife doesn't count as family? They got to yeah, I, well, Okay, fine. fine. I was talking about his parents. Fine. His parents. Number three yeah, is wife. That's true. Par- parents do love their babies. That's true. It, and number four, uh, well, I guess his newborn child isn't old enough to really know, but like, 
But but, but <laughs> the point is, Simmons is number one. Yes. Didn't Derek White take 18 shots in the Sixers game? Like, how many? How much offense do you want to run through Derek White? What are we do doing? Do we have a? Do we have? Yeah, he did take 18 shots. Do we have a a Sixers? That's true. That might be true. That's a ridiculous question. Uh, the Sixers are championship contenders. That's true. Oh, you're in love. Yeah, I think they're for real. All it took I'm, is them beating the Celtics. No, no, no. I what was I saying to you before this earlier in the season? Vic Nurse changes. Tyrese Maxey taking a leap. Joel Embiid looking even better this year than he did last season. The role players all fitting together. This is like my, I, I actually, my, oh my, no, I did have a I, I you know what I crossed it out because we've had too much Ubre talk, but I did have Kelly Ubre was the best value signing of the offseason. Well, right now, sure. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, the Sixers Grant Williams has been good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big time believer. I've been a believer since really preseason when we first started seeing this system. Um, and the fact that it's translating so far early this season, Tyrese Maxey looks awesome. 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 Looks like an all star for sure. Joel Embiid, even better than his MVP season. I'm a believer in the Sixers. And the interesting thing about Sixers right now, all the talk after they trade Harden was about, well, what star are they going to go out and get? We were talking about like Zach Levine or like, Jeremy Grant, somebody like that. What about what about like a an Alex Caruso from Chicago? Somebody like that, a, a higher level role player to fit into this good ecosystem you have going right now. Somebody like that might actually be the best target for Philadelphia, rather than a a, a, a B level or a C level star. I thought like maybe one of those super role players, like the you know, uh, OG and like, Obi, right? Uh, yeah, I still like the Grant thing. Grant has been fantastic for Portland, and that oh, was yes. actually on the list. Both Grant and Kuzma, like those contracts that everybody I like, kind of widely mocked, and we talked about this. We were ahead of the curve on this, and I said, "Look, that Jeremy Grant contract looks crazy on the surface. That is asset retention, and this is what's going to oh, happen. He's going to put sure. up the numbers." They're going to get later in the season, and you watch. They're going to turn that thing. There's going to be a team out there that's ready to give up some expirings and some firsts, and they're going to go, this guy could take me over the top. So Dallas looks at it, and they go, we'll give you Tim Hardaway and some fir- – you know what I mean? We'll give you some picks. Or, Whoever it or, might be. Or yeah. Philly goes, hey, we'll give you you know, a Tobias. Or it was actually been very good. Like he's he's been uh, – uh, he's got a new lease on life post doc who just had him running yeah. up and down the court. He's obviously capable of more, but like the grant thing and, and maybe even Kuzma for that matter. Right. Like he's, he's, he's scoring. I mean, obviously it's a terrible team, but he's scoring and he's scoring at, at a pretty high rate. And I think that, uh, you know, that asset retention of those teams that are obviously in rebuild mode, you know, where it's like, why would they, why, what, what do you, what do you retain? Why are you paying this guy? Like, what are, what are you doing? And it's like, hey, this is that was a little chess, not checkers, because I bet they're going to get some pretty great return when it all comes around. I bet they're going to get some pretty great return mm-hmm. for him. They definitely know? could. Because Grant could. He could swing something for somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I agree mean, with you. Isn't he average like 25 a game so far? I know somebody's got to yeah. score, but still. <laughs> Him and OG Ananobi, those two guys, I think. Well, the problem with Ananobi is you got to, it's five first rounders Mm -hmm. to get him. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, you're going to like this one. Minnesota can win the West. That's true. But they need Ooh. to trade Carl Anthony Towns. I don't, I don't think so. I think they got it. It's I think actually going well Kat. with him. I think you got to trade Cat in order to win the West. Why? I, I still believe that because he, he's not the reason why you have an elite defense. The reason why you have an elite defense is because you have the world's best interior defender in Rudy Gobert and the world's best perimeter defender in Jaden McDaniels together on the same team. What they're able to do, we saw it against Boston the other night. We saw it against Denver with Jamal Murray when McDaniels clamped up on the perimeter against the opponent's best perimeter creator. We saw it against Tatum, making things hard on him all night long. It's like in football, when you have a, a shutdown corner defending the opponent's best wide receiver, and you get a Pro Bowl safety helping over the top, shading their coverage towards that receiver to just take them out of the game. Let me play devil's it, advocate on this. But that's, okay? what it feels like, that's what it feels like Minnesota does with McDaniels and Gobert combination together. So with Cat, I just want to finish this thought. So with Cat, as talented as he is offensively, you have Nas Reed off the bench right now who seems ready for a bigger role. He was ready for it last year when Cat was out, when Go at times when Gobert was out. He flourished offensively. He can play a bigger role. What the Suns did with DeAndre Ayton, agree with it or not, they felt it was in their best interest to turn a guy that they didn't think was a championship piece into multiple other pieces. You get Grayson Allen, who's been a good role player for them. Nurkic has had some highs and some lows. And you get Nasir Little, a versatile wing. Yeah, I like how you showed up out of the bushes when he had a good game against Nikola Vucevic. Come on. So the Suns, the Suns logic, I think, applies to Minnesota with Cat, where if you could turn Cat into multiple pieces that restore some of your assets that were lost in the Gobert trade and help your roster with those really good supportive pieces or a guy that that adds like a star level talent in return for him, whatever the type of configuration is for Cat. I think that makes more sense for Minnesota's roster and raises their ceiling and doesn't really lower their floor at all. If anything, I just I just think Cat is the the odd fit alongside Gobert, Nas Reed, McDaniels, Edwards, those core pieces. Uh I think he's the guy you trade. And, and I would say that's true if if they move him. If they all move right. him. All right, hold on. Let me put devil's advocate here. Go ahead. Two things. Number one, we know the the the, the problems with Gobert when it gets to the playoffs. And this now gives you the ability to play both ways if you have him in tow. Also, I, much, but you, but I, I got I to interject, but you have Nas Reed for that. Oh, you have the, Nas Reed. Nas Reed can play five for you. He's not talented. Come on. Come on. I love Nas Reed. He's not. Okay. He, he, okay. So, but, but this is my point. May, oh, even, if, even if you say Nas Reed isn't cat, which he's not, do the other pieces you get for Cat overcome that? Do, do the pieces you get for Cat allow you to play small ball five? Look, I like, covered, do they allow I you covered, to do that? I covered a playoff series that saw Cat being such a issue that they the 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 Memphis abandoned playing Stephen Adams. Couldn't have him on the court because the guy is just I, I mean, and it was it's a problem, especially when you get to the playoff when these teams go small ball, and a lot of teams love to go small ball. Cat provides something that other guys don't. And I've never been a Towns fan, but I understand what he can bring to the table and the advantage he can give you 
The other thing is, it if you don't move him, you got insurance on this. You know, Gobert goes down or somebody else goes down, like you got another guy. Because like, you're not, your season's not wrecked, if, if, if you know, because you got somebody right there that can play, or if somebody has to miss a month for some reason, like that. It's it's a it is an embarrassment of riches to be able to have both of them and be able to go both different two different styles of play when you need to, and and also like their numbers together have not been bad like they were last no. year. They like they've, done, they've done a good job together. I and mean, that's and that's despite Cat not performing well offensively yet this season. He's shooting 30% from three. And he's the best three-point shooting big man of all time, according to him. I, I just he said that. I just think Cat is not quite the same guy that he was even in that Memphis series. What was that? Three years ago? Two years ago? How long ago two. was that at this point? Two, two years ago? Mm-hmm. I think there's been a decline. Well, look, he was crappy in the series, but I'm telling you, he he just it's a matchup thing. I know. So he, he yep. can he he's a problem for the for the big men on other teams. So is Nasrid. People will let Nasrid stand at the three point line. Nasrid doesn't take you out of go- drop coverage, Kevin. Hmm. He doesn't. This year he Give, is given the opportunities, they'll still drop. Whereas that's that's the difference on the cat thing, and it just opens up so much space for Edwards. Um. Last one. We'll we'll end with the big guy. Oh, this is gonna be good. Alperin Shengun would go top five in a 2021 redraft. All right. So back in January on the Ringers NBA draft show, Kyle Mann and I did a 2021 redraft, and we had Shengun going eighth. So I I selected Shengun eighth at the time. The couple of guys ahead of him were Trey Murphy. Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy, Evan Mobley. Of those guys ahead of him, Giddy, his shot since then, has fallen off a cliff. He was at the time shooting extremely well for the Thunder. That's fallen off a cliff. So that's something to note. Um, Scotty Barnes has gotten better. Jalen Green has not. Trey Murphy has been out. I think he's on the borderline of top five. I'm not as high on Mobley as other people are. I'd consider Shengun ahead of Mobley personally. Um, How about I if know. I gave you a rocket? What do you mean? Is he is he the guy ahead you of Jalen take? Green? Oh, yes. He's ahead of Jalen Green, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And Jabari. No doubt. You think Shengun has oh, the yeah. highest ceiling of the rocket? I mean, offensively, yes. Defensively, he still has his limitations. I mean, that's ridiculous. Come on. He does not have the highest ceiling. <laughs> he does not have the highest ceiling. No, I, that's why I just said offensively, yeah. yes. But defensively, you factor that in with Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith is the highest ceiling because he can be a defensive, versatile piece. I think he's bo- I think he's probably number six. He's still behind Cade. He's behind Mobley because of the defense. He's behind Franz. He's behind Scotty Barnes. He might be ahead of Giddy, but like we'll give Giddy the benefit of the doubt right now and keep him fifth. I'd keep I'd have Shengun sixth at the moment. He has been awesome. Well, then what about Kaminga? Kaminga'd be higher in a redraft too right now. I mean, he went seven. Yeah, in a redraft. It wouldn't be that much yeah. higher. <laughs> at, the, at the time we had him ten, 
Like Kyle took Quentin Grimes ahead of Jonathan Kaminga at the time. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> isn't, it a, isn't it funny how quickly things can change with young players? I was uh, talking, talking with uh, my friend John about this. We had lunch the other day. Um, he's a, he's a mu- musician and kind of like he has a different perspective view in the game of basketball. And he, and he was saying how like when it comes to scouting, it's so hard to figure out which 18, 19, 20-year-old players are going to develop in the NBA. And I said to him, like, it's hard with Desmond Bain who comes out at 23. And just because he's older doesn't mean he can't get way better. And then, he, and then he's like, well, it's even hard with the guys who are 23 years old in the NBA already with knowing like how they're going to develop. And that's, that's the right. case with some of these guys. Like with Shen Goon, I mean, this, this is his third season at this point. Uh, and he's still only 21 years old. And he's looking like he's, thus so far this season, he's been better than DeMontis Sabonis, who is a playoff player, an all-NBA guy, an all-star just a couple months ago. So, like, the, the well, trajectory of these players is, can be, like, it's not a linear thing ever. It, it's a, a rocky road a lot of the time, and it's very hard to know. Here's all you need to know. There are, okay, so let's say, like, uh, even when you were talking about, like, best players earlier, right? So Doncic and Embiid notwithstanding, who we knew, like, you could tell immediately, like, okay. The two best players in the NBA without question, I think, according to most observers, would be Giannis and Jokic, right? Are you sure it's not Steph as one of those two? Okay, okay, that's fine. Just just curious. Okay, you know what? Perfect. Add him in. A big three. Jokic won, for sure, then Giannis and Steph. If I would have told you that any of those three would be the best player in the NBA, even three years into their career, you would have laughed me off the planet. Off the planet. Even three years into their career. Yeah. Three years in, been Steph, 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 played, Steph played 26 games in his third year. He averaged 14.7 points per game in his third year. Jokic, in his third season... He averaged 18.5 points. This is where things kind of began to turn with him. 10.7 okay. rebounds, 6.1 assists. But best player in the league, you still wouldn't have went that far. You still no wouldn't way. have because no. he was still he was still chubby then. And he Not still the didn't best have player in the no. NBA. Giannis, after his third season, 16.9 points per game, up from 12.7 his second year, up from 6.8 his first year. So the trajectory was there. But after his third year, he still wasn't best player in the league type no. guy. No. After his third season. He, and, those aren't, and, those it, aren't Scotty Barnes numbers right now. For sure. It was really it was really the fourth season for these guys where you're like, huh, oh, they could be really good for a really long time for us. Maybe we could win some special games. It was really the fourth season for a lot, for those right. three guys. Right. Where things kind of took another leap. And those are the best three. Level. Yes. Right. And those are the best three in the league. Yep. Yeah. And it's like two, three years. So, I mean, you always got to think about that when we're talking about guys that are two, Mm -hmm. three years into their career. It's like, man, Mm -hmm. you don't know. You really don't. It's so hard. What if I'd have told you after? I mean, look, that's why it enabled the Warriors to have that run they did is because the kid had ankle injuries. He was good, really Uh good, but he had ankle injuries, but it wasn't like, 
this guy is going to revolutionize the game and be the best <laughs> no. player on a title team. Or ruin the game, as Mark Jackson would say, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Fate would have it, right? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's 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 hard, man. Like, you don't yep. know. No. It's tough. No. That's it's what a- makes it so fun, though. That's right. That's like there's all these surprises that happen. There's all these busts and steals and guys who come out of nowhere and exceed expectations and guys who start fast. Like Adam Morrison looked like Larry Bird his first 20 games of his career and then pfft, just well, fell off. And, I mean, and, like, and, it's and crazy. you also don't know which way it's going to go, right? Like we could look you know? up and it's crazy that we were talking about Scotty Barnes could have maybe been the best player on the team or maybe. He is the best player on an awesome team. And maybe Alperin Shengun has the Jokic level trajectory. And we look up and it's like, oh my God, this Yo, guy is all like dominating everybody, right? I know. It, it's, 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 it, you, it, it's the type of thing where like with some of these guys, I think some you can say, no, like there's not that level of upside, but with, some of them, sure. Know. There's there's a there's a there's a percent chance that Shengun is a first team All NBA guy because he becomes so dominant offensively. His three pointer goes from average to knockdown, and he becomes such an unstoppable force on offense that he's that he's a guy getting first team first team votes for right. All NBA at some number of years from now. You can't rule out. And Scotty Barnes, like you said, maybe by the end of the season, hit his hot shooting streak falls off and it proves to be just a hot streak and that's it. And he's back to shooting 25, 30% from three. And it's like, well, yeah, he's a really good player, but he's, but he hasn't changed the course of his career by becoming a major perimeter threat that opens up everything for him in a way that turns him into a superstar MVP level potential player. LaMelo, we talked about the ups and downs with his career. If he can get himself back on track and turn some of those high moments into a more regular thing, then great. Like he'll be right back on that train as a potential superstar. But right now it's it's unknown with so many of these guys, despite how much we have seen from them. That's what right. makes it fun. Yep. Uh Kevin, it is always a pleasure. I know that you are gonna have your pants off during the in season tournament tomorrow night, like Harry the Hawk <laughs> watching all the games. I, I'm home. Why would why would jeans jeans or pants be on anyway? <laughs> Uh, thank you to our executive producer uh, Jesse Lopez as always and Kevin I will talk to you next week I'm very much looking forward to it have fun man have a good weekend Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800- 9 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 
1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.